about coming to a Ponderosa Steakhouse because I get free refills on coffee and Coca-Cola. Or because of my terrific salad bar. Or even because the price is so right. They come because the steaks are delicious. All USDA inspected and approved sirloins, T-bones, and ribeyes. I know the steak is the real star. You had a tweet about Ponderosa. The very fine dining establishment that you and I both know and love. I'm assuming a lot of our listeners know about. And I felt like it was the perfect opportunity for an introduction uh, intro today because it got me thinking a lot about buffets. And and we don't have to go into this a lot. I want to talk specifically about Ponderosa, but I went down a buffet rabbit hole before this on the internet. A couple of takeaways. First of all, I did not realize until looking into this how many buffet restaurant chains are Western-themed. That doesn't make much sense to me. Western Sizzlin', Golden Corral. I found one called Chuckarama, which, appreciate the shout-out there, but it was actually named after a chuck wagon, which I found was used for cooking on Old West cattle drives. And I have to share this story about the chuck wagon because it was really funny, and it is that they got sued by this couple. This was back in 2004, so it was a long time ago. This is when the Adkins diet was really big. Do you remember that? Yeah, I never did it, but I, I know what you're talking about. You know what? Yeah, I, I don't know. They what still sell uh, frozen um, meals. Do they? Yeah, for the Adkins diet. So it's, I, I see them in Walmart. So they had a controversy because um, they, they gained national attention in 2004, when at their Taylorsville, Utah location, a couple following the Adkins diet were kicked out for trying to go back to the carved roast beef 12 times. <laughs> the, chain st- <laughs> the chain stated that in their defense, although they are a buffet, they are not an all-you-can-eat buffet. <laughs> Which, that's where the distinction matters. I've never, I have never thought about that. Now, I, a couple of things about this is... How closely are the staff at the Taylorsville, Utah Chuckarama watching people that they're noticing that this couple is going for roast beef 12 times? Man, that is, uh, they must be hurting. I mean, if they're, if they're protecting that, that roast beef so much. I just, I think it's, first of all, it's absurd. This is America. And what is one of the most American things that you can think of? A buffet. Hot dogs. Okay, well, yeah, sure, though. I mean, I'm not going to (laughs) disagree, but a buffet is one of the most American things that you could possibly think of. And what is more American than even that is using a buffet to engorge yourself and follow a fad diet at the same time. So I'm on the side of the family. I don't know. It's been 17 years since this happened. Hopefully they're still eating a ton of roast beef. But to the real question, or really the real topic, Ponderosa, what made you think of it? Okay, and, think, and and for people that don't know, what is Ponderosa? I think about Ponderosa at least once a day, and I'm not exaggerating. It, it's once a day. I'm I love Ponderosa. Ponderosa is a uh, it's it's a buffet that was really popular between the '90s and like early 2000s, and then it just kind of died from there. There's a couple. Well, there was a couple still remaining, uh, but COVID's probably taken them out. Uh, but it was this magical place where when you walked in. Instead of just ordering the buffet, you ordered an entree and then 
like the greatest restaurant in the world, you get, you are, you, you are so taken care of at Ponderosa that when you order this entree, you're not getting a, you're not getting a salad for your side. You're not getting French fries for your side. You're getting an entire buffet as your side to your entree. It's beautiful. I kind of look at it as the poor man's Texas de Brazil. That's fair. I So I had a different, ex- I don't want to say different experience with Ponderosa. I was never allowed to order from the entree menu. Oh, I was. I did one time and it was for my, my 12th birthday. Oh, that's a big present. It's massive. Uh, that's that's $20. <laughs> and it's... I can still, $40 worth of food. I can tell you the order. I can still tell you the order okay. because it's so rare. Let it rip. I got the, I got the 10 ounce ribeye with a mashed potato and the bar. That was a good pun, by the way. It's so rare. Ooh, I got medium rare. Yeah. Well, that's smart. I wouldn't go full rare. That's, that's, that's only what animals do. So I, uh, I like when you walk in, I, I got so much nostalgia when you post that picture because you walk in and it's almost like for me and you, uh, excluding your twelfth birthday, it's kind of like a tease because you walk in and they've got the illuminated menu of olden times where they've got these pictures that were clearly done in like a Sears Olin Mills portrait studio of of steak meals, and you walk by that and you tell them no buffet bitch, and then they give you the tray and you go and you, you get hammered on food. But I always walk past that and sometimes my parents would be like, they would get the entree sometimes. I always wanted it, but I, last time I went there was maybe when I was like 10, and they're like, you're not old enough for a, uh, for a steak, which is hurtful to think about. But however, I just remember walking in and, and God damn, it was so good. The f- And it's not, though. Like, the chicken wings were terrible, but for some reason they were so good. Whoa. Don't you ever. I'm going to stand by I that. I literally was just, a, I was literally about to talk about how good the chicken let it rip. Were. See, we're, this is a new thing we're oh. doing. We're teasing out on this show about when we disagree with each other. The, the Doesn't chicken have to be wings politics. Had this, it can be chicken wings at Ponderosa. Yeah, had, had, this, had this massive, um, almost like a peppery aftertaste. It really got, it really got to the tip of your tongue. Unlike, and, Growing up poor, like we only got to go to Ponderosa on like special occasions and stuff. Like the 12th birthday. And so uh, there, there is only one time a year. Well, we, I think we went like three, three or four times a year, but like uh, there's only one time that, that I purposely would wear um, a jacket, a hoodie and like jeans with the side zippers and uh I'm talking. My birthday's in June. When you said when you said jacket, <laughs> wait. When you said jacket, the first thing I thought of was like only on special occasions wear a jacket. I thought you were talking about a suit jacket, and you wearing a suit jacket into a poncho. Right. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, they didn't make eighteen husky suit jackets at that time. You'd be they, weren't, they weren't I as need inclusive. Some fat kids in suits. Uh, lucky. Uh, the but no, like my my birthday's in June. So me walking in with like. I'm talking, you know, you remember the baggy pants with the, um, on the side, they had the cargo zipper. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Like, uh, you could zip up your pants on the sides. They were like um, track pants or or not. Well, um, right. 
They weren't kind of. Yeah, but, no, but, I know what you're talking about. They weren't like they khaki were, or they denim. Were like, they were like sweat. Uh, right. Right. I don't know wind pants. What they called them. And and then I would have a. Um, uh, I could still remember the hoodie that I would wear, and it had the zips like for your pockets. You could zip them up. Yeah. And then on on top of that. I had a Echo, uh, is that what they were? Yeah, an, oh an God, Echo uh, uh, jacket. And I'm telling you, June 22nd, when I rolled in, they knew it was me because I, when I walked out, I didn't walk out empty-handed. I walked out with 12 cookies, 24 wings. I mean, I was living the dream for the next day. I'm surprised that you wore the same outfit because I would have just assumed that it had like was just covered in grease stains from it, from storing food in the pockets. Have you seen any childhood pictures of me? Fair point. Okay. Fair point. <laughs> you do bring up a good point, which is there is a certain attire for buffets. That's why they make, this is a, and I'll give credit to um, the great Will Diaz, who's an attorney uh, in Houston. He was my law school classmate who uh, coined the term buffet pants which is any pair of pants that has an elastic oh, waistband. Uh I'm he I think he well, may have adopted it. He that's care. where I heard it first. So I wanted to give credit where credit was due. Okay. Okay, you can give credit like I'll that. Give that's it. fine. I'll dish it out even though I can't serve it. I when and so I wore buffet pants. What a buffet you serve that's, yourself. And thank God you do. That's that's the beauty of it too, really. I know I'm getting like real emotional here about buffets, but I wore the buffet pants. I'm about in. to, I'm about to cry. Yeah, well, especially because Ponderosa is <laughs> only doing takeout right now. I looked it up. My Taylor, uh, my wife gets really, really upset when, um, I just pull into Ponderosa parking lots before talking to her about where we should eat. Um, because I have a rule, um, that, if I see one, I have to stop. Okay. Like if it's open, because to me, it's kind of like, um, well, I read this somewhere. I don't know if it's true. I think it is though. I think the Pope has to stop at every Catholic church he sees. Yeah. That's why he closes his eyes a lot. If he's really tired in the car. Right. He doesn't want to stop. And so, uh, that's like me. Uh, but I do stop at every Ponderosa and I, I have to eat there. Now, if you don't know, Taylor's vegan. <laughs> so a hard uh, for Ponderosa. The steakhouse. I, I will tell you what. Grow, growing up, I always thought because growing up we had a we had a carport, and I always thought you know, the day that I own a garage is the day that I know I've made it, and I found that to not be true, Chuck. What the the real day that I knew I made it was when I walked into Ponderosa. And I said to myself, I can order any entree I want. That's a special moment. And put it on a credit card. It's a special moment. That really, really hit. Were you more of Ponderosa or Bonanza guy? Because Bonanza is the other sister restaurant to Ponderosa, again, with all these damn Western themes. Ben- Bonanza closed down when I was six, okay? And so you didn't get to go there very much. I didn't. I didn't. But I do have a very traumatic story from Bonanza. Bonanza, Parkersburg, West Virginia, which is now the home of a Taco Bell. Okay. And and also worth noting, within spitting distance of your childhood home. Right. And my local funeral home. That is very true. Very fitting. There's a lot of joint um, 
events with those two places. Very true. We do like to cater. Uh, we, we do cater Taco Bell there. And the big thing that I remember from Bonanza, I was four years old and, uh, that was funny enough. That was still when, uh, my dad was around and it was like, I think this may, and I'm not making this up for like uh, podcast jokes or anything. I think that may have been the last meal that I ever had with him. Uh, and that's, <laughs> that's not a joke. I swear. I think that that's the last meal I ever I don't know had. Why was, I don't know why I laughed. I, I, I think it's the last meal I ever had with my biological father. I, I swear. I think it is. Um, we were in Ponderosa, and do you remember, or not Ponderosa, Bonanza. Did you go to Bonanza, like, when you were a kid? I did a handful of times, yeah. Okay, do you remember, and this might be all buffets, but I specifically remember Bonanza and Ponderosa, when they would bring the plates out that they just washed, and they were, like, the hottest thing yeah, you've ever touched? Yeah, Okay, four-year-old Big John didn't know that, right? And four-year-old also, Big John, I, I doubt even cared. Well, also, I wasn't supposed to be serving myself, but if you saw me, like, at four years old, I'm 4'11", 150. So, you know, people aren't going to question me. I'm bigger than half the town of Parkersburg. And so, here I am. Well. (laughs) That's not true. I'm I'm bigger, but not that big. Uh, I'm normal size in Parkersburg. (laughs) Um, But, but yeah, four years old. True story. I pick up this plate, and... One of my favorite things at Bonanza were the meatballs. I love the meatballs. I would just pile those things on the plate. I would just, I would, you know, trash them down. Anyway, picked up Balls the plate, deep. put the meatballs, put the meatballs on there. My my family is across next to the crane, uh, the crane machine, which had like little balls in it. I still remember that. It got so hot, I dropped my plate. It breaks everywhere. Four year old John has always been told that you pick up your messes, right? Like that's what you got to do. Well. Unfortunately for me, uh, glass cuts you. So here I am as a four-year-old with a giant piece of the plate stuck in my hand. No joke. With meatball sauce all over me, right? And I'm just like, I'm just looking at it. I yank it out of my hand. Blood everywhere. This this place is packed. I mean, people are eating. I'm squirting blood just from my hand everywhere. And now I think I'm starting to understand why my dad left. <laughs> I've never, I've never thought about this before. <laughs> uh, no, anyway, hindsight being 2020, if I were you, I would have kept it in so I could at least finish the meal. I had a meatball in my mouth. <laughs> I, I, I'm in your hand, like the piece of. Don't pull it out. I didn't know that. How was I going to know? I don't know. Chuck, I I literally just used the meatball spoon to feed myself. I'm just saying, I, I never <laughs> said that you should. I'm just saying, 20, hindsight being 2020, 20, maybe butterfly effect. Here we go again. Maybe your dad would still. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking new ground here today. Oh, God. I think we should. I. <laughs> All we can do is ask questions. All we can do is ask questions. Ponderosa, Ponderosa goes out of business. Big John is crushed, okay? Because, you know, birthdays just aren't the same. Where yeah, do we where go? Where are you going to go? Where I mean, do we go? Taco well, Bell? Turns the, out. The pizza place? Turn, you can't. Can't afford it. It's too expensive. $30 a pizza? Are you it's kidding me? Dis- it's disgusting, too. I don't like the, the, the thick crust. Oh, it hits hard for me. Anyway, uh, 
Ryan's. We start going to Ryan's. There's one built on South Side near Walmart. It is, I mean, which is right up the road for me, which is really dangerous for. It's a reference to the South Side of Parkersburg, West Virginia, for our listeners that aren't familiar. Yeah, on the South Side of a big city in West Virginia. And, you know, I can tell you right now, we went there for, my brother worked there, okay? And I'm pretty sure he only did it for the family discount. And every, every birthday. That's a perfectly legitimate reason to do it. Every birthday, okay, we went there and they sang a song. And I tweeted about this because I thought about it. Waiters, waitresses, staff members of these restaurants are not paid enough to sing you songs for your birthday. Stop asking. Stop having stop having your family ask. It's annoying. The cust- the other customers don't like it. We do not care that it's your birthday at all. In fact, in fact, you become you become the worst person in the restaurant. And let I know that your family probably asked for it, right? But by association, you are the worst. That point blank. That is that's a good point, though, is most of the time it is the asshole people with but the I, person. I don't care. I hate the person whose birthday it is. I, you know, I'll give them a little bit of leeway. I'm not quite there on hate. Uh, I hate him. Uh, <laughs> I don't hate him, but I don't like him. And uh, look, I could the, the birthday song for Ryan's. Can you sing it? Birthday. It's your bur- when I die, bury me inside a Lewis store. I wish that was it. When you die, bury me inside a buffet. No, I, that, <laughs> oh, I honestly, that for, yeah, that I'd, for me, I'd be into that. Okay, no, I, um, happy, happy birthday yeah. from all of us to you. Hey, happy, happy birthday from the Ryan's crew. Woo, no, you're... Something, I don't remember the second verse. You're, you're, you're very, you're very close. Happy, happy birthday. Yeah. We're so glad you came. Happy, happy birthday from the Ryan's gang. We're so glad. We hope you are too. Happy, happy birthday from the Ryan's crew. That was perfect. Good job. Well, thank you. I never had my birthday there, but fair enough. But you didn't have to because everybody else was getting sung to. Well, and that's, you know, that's a good point. I did go there around my birthday once and had a ton of anxiety that my sister or mom or somebody had told them. (laughs) I was like sweating bullets, but I didn't. Uh, Thank God. But you, so you brought up Ryan's last buffet. What? There's one. More I was though. getting ready to say one of them, but which one are you which, thinking of? Oh, say it, say it. Tell, let's see if it's the same one. OCB. Old Country Buffet. Oh my God! It that isn't the one, but you're right. I ate an yeah, Old Country I'm Buffet right. two. I ate there two years ago. Got massive food poisoning. That was the one that we went to the most growing up. More than Ponderosa. More than Ryan's was Old Country Buffet, and I would get so much chocolate milk from there. So, I don't know why I did it anyway, because, like, I get chocolate milk at school. It hits harder there. I don't know what but, it is. I don't know what well, cows they're getting that from. That's I remember because the lever was so heavy on yes. the thing that came, the and milk came out, it. and it was so cold. But I'd do that, and then I'd also get a coat or Sprite. I would get Sprite with it. it, which reminds me of just how much of a... a it, my eating was like a human rights violation, just like watching it happen. Because, and I told you, I I replied to something you put on Twitter on Ponderosa. This it wasn't just Ponderosa. I did this, but I would go, and so my parents would be like, "You can only have like one bowl of ice cream," which is a perfectly legitimate thing for parents to say to a child. 
but because it's so good they had an ice cream bar and what i would do is i'd have that bowl but then i'd go up like oh i'd have i would my second bowl would be the public bowl the one in front of my parents the first one because then it wasn't as believable to go get the second one and eat in the bathroom uh so i went up like i was going to get a second plate of food and i went and i made myself a bowl of ice cream and i went to the bathroom to eat it because i wanted to god damn it and i was going to get to we do have kind of the same idea but I, yours is grosser <laughs> my my I'm, dude. i did <laughs> I'm fine with you know what I own it whatever just there was nowhere else to eat it well this is what I would do so my obviously like there are multiple kids you know there's four kids in in my family at the time so my mom has to watch the other three so I go up and I can get ice cream and you know she would obviously say the same thing because you know my my cholesterol at that point is through the roof she's like one bowl and that's it so what I would do is Usually there were like four or five bowls out, right? I would take those bowls and I would walk them to the salad bar and I would set them down and then I would walk back with a plate and I would fill my plate with ice cream and like just the worst stuff. I'd get back to the table. My mom would go, I said one bowl. And I said, I would tell her, go look, there are no bowls. I did what I had to do. Work around every time. (laughs) (laughs) You did what you had to do. That's. That's the story of the buffet. All right, name the last buffet, and then State, we got to move uh, on. What is it? Well, crap. Uh, hold on, hold on. Taylor, you don't, you don't even know what? the name? Western no, I, I literally had it in my head, and I was so happy because uh, Taylor and I talked about this today uh, about what this was her dad's favorite. Um, shoot, what is that thing called? USA Steak Buffet. USA Steak Buffet. Did you ever go? I don't think I've ever been to one. West Virginia had one. One, we never went to Clark's. Wonderful place. You walk in, okay? You smell the steaks. It's like Outback Steakhouse, but they just keep feeding you. It's great. Oh, I've seen... I looked up a picture. I've seen this mm-hmm. before. God, I don't remember where. I think it was somewhere like close to Nashville. But now there's a reason why they're out of business. Because they just gave you too many steaks. That is not possible. Oh, I guess from a financial standpoint, that's stupid from them. I thought you meant you, you were... You, but anyway, I, I just... I, I felt like that was something that needed to be brought that's up. That's fair. That's a good point. That's a good point. I think, and speaking of USA Steak Buffet, our announcements this week. We have new stuff in the merch store. We've got a new shirt. It says, unapologetically Appalachian as fuck, except it says AF. Don't worry. Don't worry. Uh, and it's there, and we're going to be putting some new stuff out probably next week, so I'll link to it in the show notes. Great stuff. Our exclusive... This week is going on our, on our Patreon, by the way. I should mention that. Is going to be how to properly navigate a buffet. We're just so into buffets this week, we can't stop talking about them. Maybe maybe it's because this coronavirus pandemic has robbed us of our ability to go to a buffet, and that makes us sad. Makes me sad, so... So I don't know. We're going to channel that um, that positive energy into something for you on our Patreon. Go check it out. We're also going to be publishing the second part of the Flatwoods Monster exclusive on Patreon, $10 tier and above. Go check that out, too. It'll be up this week. Anyway, um, moving on to the topic at hand today. John, when this comes out, it'll be the day after, I think. International Women's Day, honoring the contributions of women around the world. 
we decided that we would honor the contributions of one of the greatest women to ever come out of the great region of Appalachia, Dolly Parton. Love it. This has been a long time in the making, I would say. Uh, you know, we've talked about Dolly a lot on the show, tweeted a lot about her, expressed our uh, our gratitude in the form of shirts. Raise hell, praise Dolly. Stand by that. I think it's time that we properly go over some of her more important contributions, both to society and to Appalachia. We're going to hit on a few. She's got her resume, her repertoire, her life is way too expansive and impressive for us to even try to cover all of it, so we're not going to do that. We're just going to hit on some of the more important ones that we think. But, John, your thoughts going into this episode? When I thought about this a lot, because, you know, we're doing an episode on it. Um, And to be honest, I wasn't sure what I could say that we hadn't said, but then I thought of something. When I was a kid, I have to admit, I didn't know who Dolly Parton was. I really didn't. It's not a joke. I had no idea who she was. My mom didn't talk about Dolly Parton. My mom's not, uh, she's not an Appalachian. She is now because she's lived here for so long, but you know, uh, she's from Connecticut. Dolly Parton, uh, also, if you know my mom, she's like, uh, she's not really into, uh, mainstream music. So maybe that's why she didn't talk about Dolly very much. I don't she's know. She's very underground, was very much a pure volume person. She was, dude, she was with Dre before, before everybody else was. Yeah. She was with him when he was in World Class Wrecking Crew. Yeah. I mean, she still has it. She still listens to it every day. Yeah, all right. Yeah, she's uh, India's. Um, yeah, we uh, we bought her a Hulu so she could have Eight Mile on repeat. Not <laughs> <laughs> the least indie thing, but that's hilarious. <laughs> I did walk in. I did walk into my mom's house today, and she was watching the final round of uh, the PGA Tour. <laughs> my mom's never hit a golf ball in her life, but she has four channels. <laughs> so she just picks whichever one she can get through. Says a lot about the excitement on the other three. True. Uh, anyway, Dolly Parton, uh, she deserves my full attention. What, what I was going to say is I didn't know much about her growing up. I didn't obviously didn't know, um, you know, how great of a public figure she was. But I can honestly say now that I will die knowing that Dolly Parton is the true queen. I will, know, I will die knowing that now. That's right. That's right. Yeah, suck it, Queen Elizabeth. Who? The Queen of England. Never heard of it. Yeah, well, that, it's hard. I've know. only heard of, I literally have only heard of Appalachia. You know what? She's never heard of Bonanza or Ponderosa, so who who really how, has it worse my, off? Okay, how could you, well, you know, it's not fair for me to say, but yes, it is. If you've never gone to a Ponderosa, Honestly, you are not. I can't disagree with that. So I will. I don't have a way of communicating with the Queen of England, but I'm sure that you know she she feels that. So I'm gonna hit you with some quick facts just out of the gate here to highlight some of her impressive contributions. Fifty-one studio albums she's recorded. Fifty-one. That's insane. Including forty-seven solo. Best-selling female country music artist of all time. She exists in 16 separate halls of fame, including the Nashville Country Music Hall of Fame. Nominated 382 times for various awards, and of those has won 189 times. 21 of her singles and albums released have gone gold or platinum, according to RIAA. 25 songs reached number one on the Billboard Hot Country. She has 862 entries in the U.S. Copyright Office database. Thought that was interesting. And finally, fun fact, 
She is the godmother of Miley Cyrus. Thought that was interesting. John, one of the um John, one of the reasons why we like Dolly so much and I don't want to say relate to cuz we're not multi platinum million dollar recording artists, but her story, her Appalachian story is one that I think people can relate to because she had incredibly humble beginnings. And a lot of people, I think, that know her for her music, which, to your point earlier, I didn't really listen to her growing up either. My parents didn't really. I honestly didn't come to really know much about Dolly Parton until I moved to Nashville in Tennessee, which is where she's from. So that's kind of where I started learning more about her. But... She's had really humble beginnings. She grew up dirt poor, as she said. Um, that's a dirt quote from her. In Locust Ridge, Tennessee, which is like not, it's I think it's an unincorporated community outside of uh, outside of the Great Smoky Mountains in Sevier County, Tennessee. The fourth John of 12 children was raised in a two-room cabin with no electricity, no running water. In fact, I thought this was an interesting fact. Uh, her father paid the doctor who delivered her with a bag of cornmeal. So that is, I think, I think that's as humble as humble gets. Um, and one thing I wanted to point out, because this is something also I think a lot of Appalachians can relate to. I know I can. Is like how hard working parents are. You've mentioned this about your mom a lot. Uh, her dad, who was an incredibly important figure in her life, which we'll, we'll kind of touch on a little bit, was someone that I think, um, just judging based on my reading and what I've read and in interviews I've seen with her is someone that was a really important figure for her and instilled in her a really hard work ethic. She had this one quote um, that I related to a lot because it reminded me of my dad. Um, she said, and this is in Dolly's words, so, you know, she talks like Dolly. Our sweet daddy worked so hard for all of us. At night, we used to take turns rubbing his cracked, hardworking hands with corn silk lotion because he had worked so hard that day. And he came home with these just dry, cracked hands. And I can remember my dad coming home with with similar uh, um, issues and like how his hands had just like grease like, coated into the into the fingerprints on his hands, and and I think this is something that's kind of like a theme in her life and certainly something that's come out in her music. But I, John, I don't know about you, but I this is something I really um, appreciate about Dolly because she a lot of what she talks about and a lot of her philanthropy, which we'll talk about is centered around where she grew up because she never really forgot about where she came from and the humble beginnings that she had. Dolly is one of those people. I know that people like to pick and choose like they look, you can, you can cancel anybody. You can find flaws in anybody that you want. Uh, if, if Jesus was alive today, Twitter would find a flaw. I mean, without a doubt. Oh, they, they find flaws even though he's not That's alive. That's true. Uh, you know, and this is, it's just one of those things like, I know that there are people who dislike Dolly. I disagree with them. I think that uh, obviously things are, Dolly is not perfect. No one claims that Dolly is perfect, but Dolly does a lot of really good work. And she's one of the only people that I can truly say has not forgotten where she came from because Chuck, she never left. <laughs> she, she, she dedicated herself yeah. to her community. She dedicated herself to helping, you know, the Appalachian region. Look, there is nothing when you, when you make it big, there's no contract that you sign that says that you have to help anybody at all. 
There's nothing. You get to keep anything you want. You could mm-hmm. keep all your money. You could you could never say anything nice about anyone. You could never open up a you know like Dollywood and hire a bunch of people. Yeah, we could talk about wages. I get that, but that also created jobs. You could do all of these things. You could stay to yourself. But she didn't. She donated. She's donated so much money. Shit. She's the reason I have I have shot one of a vaccine, right? Like that's without her, who knows? Because she donated money to help. These are the things that people like to uh, ignore when they when they poke they quote poke holes in in Dolly's background. Uh, Dolly Dolly's one of the few people that I I will go um, as far as saying that she hasn't she hasn't become too big for her britches as as my uh, grandparents would say. Yeah, and I think she's played her hand very smart, very intelligently. I almost said smartly. I don't really is that a word. I think so. Okay. Well, whatever. She played it well. She, you know, she's made half a billion dollars. And again, like you said, there's no obligation for her to do anything with that other than what she wants to do with it. And, but to your point, there are flaws with everyone. And I think it's a small, small, small minority of people that don't like Dolly Parton. That's fine. You know, you can, you can disagree. What, what, what I think is important is highlighting someone that has objectively had a positive impact on Appalachia and someone who is a rich person that has done good things with their money. You know, I think that's, it's something where, and, and like I said, we'll get into some of her philanthropy, but she didn't have to do any of that. And you know, there's a lot of people that have money that donate, but, but what the reason why I think Dolly is such an, an, an interesting and compelling person is that it all fits back into that not forgetting where you're from and wanting to lift people up from where she's from and, and more so than that. And that's, you know, that, that builds into a discussion about what she's actually done, which is, and this is something that I didn't know about until, um, until I moved to Tennessee is the imagination library. And this comes back to, her dad being a really important figure in her life. So her dad, she said, was you know one of the smartest people she knew, but he never learned how to read and write. So he was he was illiterate because I think the way the story goes is when he was younger, he had to just work. Like he didn't really have time to to get like a, a formal schooling. It sounded like he had to go and work in the farm and be a I think he was a sharecropper and all kinds of things. So he never actually learned how to read. And she said when she started Imagination Library, it was to honor her dad. Her dad was so smart, but felt crippled with the fact that he couldn't read and write. And so what she did is she started Imagination Library, which is a book gifting program that mails free high quality books to children from birth to age five, no matter how much money you make. So you could be dirt poor or you could be well off. They're going to mail you a book because it doesn't matter to her. And so by 2003, they'd mailed over a million books, which is an insane amount. And it started out with her just doing it for locally in Sevier County because she wanted people where she was from to be able to learn how to read. And one way of doing that is providing them with materials to be able to learn how to do that. So I thought that was a, it's a really, really great program. And it's something that I think is both personal to her, but also something that is really impactful in people's lives. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, my mom really emphasized reading like a lot to the point where if I read 50 books in a summer, she was going to buy me the new Pokemon Game Boy game. And by God, John, I read 50 books that summer. <laughs> well, no, uh, I hated reading. Uh, I thought it was terrible. Uh, I, I did it only when I was bribed. Uh, so that 
I do, I guess, uh, have that similar portion of it. Um, like accelerated reader. Now I went to town on that, but I also am guilty of just taking tests without reading. I mean, we all, we've all done that. I did it when Harry Potter came out past the first one. Didn't read it past the first one. Got all those points. That's all I cared about. I took the test on Moby Dick because it was the highest point book that you could take it on. And I failed the shit out of that. You same never read that book. Same Never. Why? But would you? well, on a serious note, though, I think Imagination Library is is such a good thing, and it's something where it's not it just is. throwing money at something. It's it's a targeted purpose with a with a philanthropic program. And she did it because it, like she wanted kids to have what her dad couldn't have, and I think that was really cool. And one thing she said, her dad I think died in two thousand, but she had started it. I believe it was like ninety eight, maybe. And she wanted him to at least be a part of it, and he was. Uh, and so she said that he got to live long enough to hear the kids call her the book lady, and that really meant a lot to her, which I thought was really kind of a beautiful thing. I I will never understand like how people don't see Dolly as a, a really good person. I mean, it, it just blows my mind. Like again, the, those aren't her kids. Like that's she didn't have to do that. And <clears throat> the fact is, you know what she could have done. She could have been like a lot of people, which I don't want to call out like professional athletes because I love sports, but I'm going to call out professional athletes, right? So like instead of going and buying, uh, <clears throat> you know, instead of, of creating this this great, you know, um, thing for kids because of her dad, right? She dedicated that to her dad. Now, there are athletes that do this. LeBron James is, I mean, he, he started a school. Don't get me wrong, but there are also a lot of athletes who would simply buy their parents a house, for instance, and then, and that would be like what they would do. And that'd be like how they give back to their parents, which is great. But Dolly Parton was like, wait a second, I can take my dad's legacy. The person that I, I love the most, who I respect the most and who I want to make, you know, proud before he passes away. And instead of just give him everything, you know, monetarily, I'm going to, I'm going to create this foundation that changes people's lives every single day. And I'm going to, I'm going to dedicate to him and that's going to create change even whenever both of us are gone. Yeah. Yeah. You may get, and and it's funny that you mentioned that because she also bought him a a nice brand new truck because that was what he always really wanted. So I thought it was cool too. Good. Screw it. um, You know what? But she didn't stop there. Right. Well, I don't think it changes your point because that's something that probably I think, and I'm, I'm not like inferring things. I think this was also written about is that I think it was something that probably meant the world to him that she did that. One of the other things I wanted to mention about her with just giving back to her community and like in a real way is in the imagination library is part of the Dollywood foundation, which she created in 1988. And the whole idea of it was to inspire children in her home County to achieve educational success. That's kind of like her, her MO is to help people back where she's from. And so this was, John, was an incredible statistic. Um, there was a pretty high dropout rate in one of the, in the Sevierville, Sevier County High School, I guess is what it was. It was, what I think it was the high school that she um, graduated from. And so initially she focused the foundation on decreasing the dropout rate in the high school. And so the early 90s, Dolly promised every 7th grade and 8th grade student she would personally give them $500 if they graduated from high school. So you started planting that in their heads at 7th and 8th grade. 
the effort, it came to be known as the Buddy Program, reduced the dropout rate for those two classes of students from 35% to 6%. There's only one time in history that I can say that those statistics were beat from you know high school dropout to high school graduation based off one promise. There's only one time I could think of. I don't know if you've ever heard of this foundation. Uh, I think it was around 2000 and, oh, I don't know. 2006, seven, uh, maybe 2009, whatever. Uh, it was called Scott's Tots. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say, like, I think I've heard of that. And I'm like, God damn it! It's a reference to The Office from John. He promises, he promises this whole class <laughs> that if they graduate, they'll pay for their colleges. This is a guy who makes 50 grand a year. <laughs> can't pay for anything. So he gives, he gives them laptop batteries. <laughs> Thankfully, uh, that was not what the Dollywood Foundation did. True. I just... <laughs> They all graduated. Well, you know that's what matters. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a that was that was funny. Um, well, the other thing I was going to say is that she also established a fifteen thousand dollars scholarship awarded annually at each high school um, where she's from for students who quote have a dream they wish to pursue and who can successfully communicate their plans and commitments to realize their dreams. And I think that I, I, through all this. What's so interesting and important, I think, just really speaks to the kind of person she is, is it's all purposefully done. It's not just like, I'm going to do a scholarship just for the hell of it. It's because she wants people to dream like she dreamed and realize that, that you know, you can come from a two-room cabin with no electricity to the most profitable country music, a female country music star in the history of the world. And, um, and so that's impressive. And, and, and I think it's worth highlighting and, and the name Dollywood, by the way, we should mention Dollywood being the theme park that is in Pigeon Forge that you alluded to earlier that she, um, she didn't create, but she bought a controlling interest in, I believe, and then changed it with, and, and kind of like obviously made it Dollywood, the theme of it and everything. And, and I, she did mention that one of the reasons why she wanted to do that is, is another impact she wanted to leave on her community was to be able to to do something that could help people long-term, which would be to create jobs. And that's a certainly a good way to do it. Um, now, and, and like you said, there's always people that will say, well, the wages aren't high enough. And that may be a very legitimate thing. And it's also a problem in this entire country. And that's fine. She's not a perfect person. And, um, and so that's worth, you know, pointing out. But your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, there's, look, I, I'm not going to get down that, um, that rabbit hole, but... It, Look, you know who else doesn't have very high wages, Chuck? Walmart. Look at look at what that family has done for people. Nothing. Like they they have they have fake foundations that they just roll tax money through, but they they don't care about people. Like they they've made that very obvious and they've continued to do that and that's why, you know, what is it? 40% of their entire workforce is on government assistance. I don't know the statistics behind Dollywood, but I would venture to guess it's not that. Plus, somebody who has, I would say, what, one one-thousandth of the, maybe more, I don't know, one five hundred, I don't know, I don't know math. But she does not have anywhere close to the amount of money they do. Yeah, she didn't have any Walton and money. And she's still doing far more. That's sad. 
that is extremely sad based off that family, but she's still trying. Yeah. Well, and, and I think too, she's really put her money deliberately into her community because her community was a poorer community in Appalachia and one that has a lot of potential and that is a really wonderful place too. Uh, Sevierville, Sevier County, um, Knox County, that area is so beautiful, but it is part of Appalachian one that economically has struggled a lot. So, you know, there it's, it's important to put that also into context too. Um, one last thing I wanted to bring up about her and then we can kind of just talk generally is there was, um, this was back in 2016 and, and actually this is a, um, sort of a Dolly experimenting with UBI a little bit, universal basic income in a way, uh, is that in 2016, there was these huge fires. I don't know if you remember this, but they swept through the Smoky Mountains and just like destroyed a bunch of places in Sevier County and, and Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg, essentially shut those that entire tourism economy down for a while. Like the fires were so horrible. So you can, you can look up some of the videos from them. They look like freaking Dante's Peak. It was, it was terrifying. And so a lot of families, um, it, over a thousand families lost their homes, right? So what she did is she established a fund called the My People Fund where she started, um, I think she put some money into it and then the fund itself raised money as well. But she was able to give $1,000 per month for six months to families who lost their primary residence. So, and, and that's an important distinction, by the way, primary residence. It wasn't necessarily given to people who had a, a vacation home in the Smoky Mountains. It was to people who lived there and made their life there. $1,000 per month for six months, which was, a, a, sure, a huge deal for those people. And the fund itself ultimately raised over $411 million, which is a lot of money. And if you've been keeping track at home, the federal government hasn't even allowed people to have $1,000 a month for six months. We, we, exactly, exactly. And there's been plenty of people that have lost their homes in the United States in the yeah, past year because of coronavirus their, and everything homes, else. Lost their businesses. Their jobs. Yeah, lo- and lost shit, lost their family members. <laughs> I mean, like, the, the fact is, like, Dolly Parton, as this one person, has proven that she is more effective, more willing to give, and is able to streamline it better than the entire United States Congress has over the last year. That blows my mind that Dolly Parton should walk into Congress and say, if I can do this, why can't you? But you know what? She won't because she's too nice because Dolly Parton is a saint in my book. Uh, The fact is like she should be the threshold that Congress looks at or even some of these politicians who are arguing for like UBI or even arguing just for better stimulus checks. They should point to that. in, In my opinion, like, look. Dolly Parton has nowhere near the money of the United States, right? We get that. But she was able to successfully do this, help these people get out of this terrible situation, and we're arguing over $1,400? What are we doing? It's it's ridiculous, and and we'll, I'm sure we'll have some stuff to say about that. But, uh, yeah, it, it's it's stupid, and and... But it shows that, like... You know, somebody with money stepped in and actually and actually made a difference. And if we had more people doing that, it would be less devastating when the government comes and says we're only giving you fourteen hundred dollars. If freaking Jeff Bezos did that and actually, you know, did something good with his money like that, that could 
you know, change the lives of a lot of people. But here we are. Anyway, I wanted to point that out because... Um, and he can't even sing. Well, I mean, I can't sing, but... No, I'm just saying. Dolly Parton oh, beats him in every aspect. Um, yeah. So there you go. There you have it. I mean, that's, you know, those were the things I wanted to highlight about Dolly. I mean, obviously she funded money for the Moderna vaccine. Um, and she's, you know, where in, I'll also say this in times where she's had to make a correction, she's done it. And, and one of the, you know, one of the criticisms that people bring up is she had this dinner theater called Dixie Stampede and, um, and Pigeon Forge. And obviously Dixie is sort of a name that, uh, conjures up a lot of bad things about the, you know, the civil war South and it was a civil war themed attraction and they've made changes to that. They changed the name. I believe that, um, it's no longer what it used to be with, with the North and the South because, you know, she faced criticism for it, rightly so, and and decided to make that change. And, you know, nobody's perfect. And she did it. You know, when it comes to criticism about her or stuff like that, she makes the correction because that's what she does because she's a human with a soul. I'm going to take heat for this, okay? I feel like I say that every episode now, but I, I trust me, I'm, people are not going to like this. People You're eventually going to be taking heat for something. People don't like when this is said, but let's let's look at the reality of things, okay? When Dolly Parton was growing up and whenever she was becoming successful, it was a far different time than what it is now. And a lot of things were different. Like the word, you know, the word Dixie, for instance, was a lot different than what we look at it as now because I believe now we're a much more educated society but at that time that's not what was going on now fast forward to 2021 she said you know what I I have to learn because this you're you're right we've now developed into a different type of society we're now more educated we are changing the way that things need to be done I messed up like that she takes full credit for it she does the changes she's she needs her response could have been a lot different if you, I mean, shit, look at, look at James Woods. I mean, that, that's a dude that he's never been. Yeah, that's definitely a different way of responding. <laughs> right. Like he just got worse. And and that's what a lot of people have done. But Dolly hasn't. Dolly could have put her feet in the ground. She could have said, nope, that's not what it means. You know, I'm keeping it the way it is. You know, I'm not advancing. She didn't do that. She, she, she took one on the chin. She said, look. I did this wrong. I shouldn't have done this. I'm changing it now because I've learned that this is wrong and I'm moving on. And to me, that takes a big person because I know for a fact, like if somebody just walked up to me or if there was an article written about me that said, you know, something that I did was wrong and maybe I didn't see it that way. I don't know if I'd be as, as ready to jump on the other side of things, but she was because she's a, you know, she's a big person. Yeah. Yeah. And I think she understands you know, the context of things like that and, and isn't someone who's afraid to admit a mistake or admit that they need to change something. And I think we need more people like that just in general. And I've tried to be more like that. I've tried to take ownership for when I make mistakes just in general in life. And I feel like if more people did that, we'd live in a better society. If people were more willing to look at themselves and, it's a two-way street, right? Like like Twitter and outsiders and keyboard warriors now are very willing to, to rip people down. 
But I think there's also that other side of things where yeah. people have now become so entrenched in their ways that they think that it's the only right way. So we're at this weird impasse where like people want to rip you down and you're doing everything you can to make sure that you that they know what they're that, that you don't you don't care what they're saying. And I think that that is this, you know, where we are in the society. Dolly Parton hasn't become part of that. She's not toxic. She hasn't become, you know, part of that toxic environment. Look, another 70 year old, I should mention Donald Trump. I mean, it could look, I could continue to go on and on, but you know, and, and you can't tell me like, oh, well, it's, it's this upbringing. Because if you look at the stereotypical upbringing that Dolly Parton would have gone through, you would have said that she would think like Dolly or like Donald Trump. Guess what? She doesn't. She's proven that she's proven that she's a bigger, much bigger person than Donald Trump, but she's also proven that she's a much bigger person uh, than a lot of people. And so to me, I don't think a lot of this quote unquote backlash from uh, some some people uh, is fair. I think it's it's misguided hate uh, that's being used for clicks uh, because people don't have enough to talk about, and they know that there are people on uh, you know at one end of the spectrum who think like that and who are going to click on that. They're going to watch the YouTube video. They're going to they're going to turn on the podcast. They're going to read the article, even though seventy nine percent of the rest of the people look at Dolly and say, "What are you talking about?" Yeah. That is true. But, you know, I think that's a good place to, to cap off our discussion about Dolly. Well, I do, I do have one random fact, though, that I have to tell you. Okay, let it rip. Dolly Parton. She entered a Dolly Parton lookalike contest and lost. Uh, so Dolly went in. She kind of, she kind of like, um, exaggerated her looks. You know what I mean? Like, she, she made her hair different and stuff like that. But she lost. And... It's just crazy. I mean, it, that that to me is nuts. Could you imagine losing? Could 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 you imagine that? Like you walk in. All right, today's the uh, the Chuck Cora lookalike contest, and you just you, and you don't win. I would be pretty upset if I lost a lookalike contest. At, at that myself. point, I think through my head, I'd be like, "Wait a second, have I gotten like?" uglier or have i gotten like worse looking have i gotten so bad <laughs> that people don't recognize me which are all very possible things in my case i mean listen half of our listeners think i'm i'm 45 chuck i had a really long beef planned out okay but i'm going to revert that you can go check out twitter i'm sure i'm tweeting about it right now it has to deal with joe manchin and you probably heard about it enough and seen him talking on every sunday morning show that he you know that he could get his hands on uh so go check it out on twitter i'm sure i'm making jokes or at least the app Latcha twitter account is but i did want to say i got my first shot of the uh moderna you know the jolene vaccine is what we call it here at app Latcha. it uh Look, I didn't have any side effects, but I will say I did have a headache. I call, I'm call i not calling that a side effect because I don't know if it is. My, my wife got it. She has a big lump on her arm, uh, so I will warn you of that. But would I have taken it if I knew all of that? Yes. Will I get the second dose? Yes. I think everybody should. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm still advocating for that. Hopefully you have access to it or you're going to get access to it. Um, but that's about it, Chuck. I just wanted to bring that up. wanted to let people know about what's going on. But really, I think that was a solid episode. 